today on the Tim Man Podcast Show, we've got the longest intro we're about to do, okay? We've got broadcaster at this morning, GMB. We've got the presenter of Ribble FM. We've got best-selling author. Mm. We've got the CEO and founder of RJ8, yeah. Rebecca Jane, yeah. a.k.a. Lady Rebecca Jane. Let me just ask you this question. Is it true that you don't do your own washing because you've not mastered the art of the washing machine? Yeah. <coughs> I read that fact on the RJ and just thought, I've got to bring it up because that is the most random bio that I've ever read. You miss trainee solicitor. Trainee solicitor. Thanks. It's always the one we forget. <laughs> There's a lot got going yeah, on. Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't use, yeah. I still like, you know, a lot of legal stuff, but I can't do my own washing. I love it. Who cares? Who like, cares? I'm not going to learn now, am I? It's not for you, that. You no. Got, other people can do that. Precisely. Yeah. Tell me about, right, the lady detective. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun nine years. Mm. What, what, what is it? And why? Well, it's no, well, it's no more because I left five years ago, I think. Um, so I founded a female-run private investigation company called the Lady Detective Agency because my first husband, there's been two, uh, he was very unfaithful. And I tried to hire investigators, didn't like them, so I created my own company and we went all over the world and had a great time. It was fun. Until it wasn't fun. For nine years you did that? Mm. Yeah. And is that how you got picked up by Big Brother? Yeah. Um, well, I, well, that's how I got picked up by This Morning and ITV. Yeah. Um, and so I did all of that before Big Brother and so then Big Brother asked me because I started, I worked for ITV. What so, was your experience like on Big Brother? <laughs> n- I don't watch it. I don't know. No, I, to be honest with you, I don't really know <laughs> that know much what? about you. So I'm just... That's exactly what I said when the producers asked me and rang me to do it. <laughs> I went, does anybody watch that shit anymore? <laughs> what year was like, this? Yeah? 2017. Right. Um, and it was literally, so it's five years ago, next week, that I left for the house. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, you know, I'm not mentally fully there. Yeah. <laughs> so when you I go... I've watched a couple of videos of you, and I'm just like, you like to argue, don't you? I really do, yeah. yeah. I've got a bit of an opinion mm. on things. Well, you have to. It's part of my job. Um, but, yeah, so I, yeah, I'd, I'd lost my shit in a really big way. A few times. And so they put you in a house full of people you're not going to like because they want you to argue and they want you to be hard work. So, well and truly, I delivered what they wanted. Um, and it was it was crackers, absolutely crackers. Um, yeah, and but you know what? It's priceless experience. That's one of the reasons why I did it was because you can make all the money you want in the world, but you can't buy a place on Big Brother. So do you know what? Also, I was running away from heartbreak. I'd had a relationship breakdown. So, you know, some people go on a holiday. I went in Big Brother. It is what it is. That's an experience and a half, that, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. How good was the lady detective at the time? What was it? The first four years were good. Really good. Like, we literally... Well, so you were doing it without any TV presence to start, start yeah. off with. So you just built it from the, the mm. ground up. And then obviously somebody mm. said, oh, do you fancy making this into a TV series? Mm, something on... Well, this morning hired me because... The, the, well, obviously, we dealt with a lot of personal stuff. And so then they just find out about what we were doing and all the crazy jobs that we were doing because it was all relationship-based stuff and it was really personal work that 
you know, it was never boring. It was absolutely crazy. So they just wanted to know more about it. And so then I went and delivered and then they were happy and then they kept asking me back. And yeah, but the first full years were great. They were loads of fun. Um, After that, I became a glorified manager of a bunch of people I didn't like. Right. And then it just killed the reason why I started it. You know, I started it because I cared about people and I cared about when you are in the absolute depths of despair, you've got somewhere to go. And by the end of it, I didn't care about anything. And my mental health was ruined, to say the least. I didn't trust anyone, didn't believe anything anyone said. Anytime a case came through, I thought everybody was lying and... It destroyed me as a person and as a human. And um, yeah, I had to give it up. But, you know, we, we did all the fun stuff. We, we, we investigated missing ferrets. Um, <laughs> okay. It's a guy, it was a guy who had, um, he had a wife who was, um, yeah, not from this country. She'd ran off with all his money and another man. And when we said, oh, so you want us to find her and get your money back? He went, no, she's taken my pet ferret and I want the ferret back. I'm like, right, serious? He's like, yeah, deadly. So we, had, we went to try and find the pet ferret. And it was the only case we didn't solve. <laughs> I'm not joking. This is oh, deadly no, serious. I was devastated. Um, you know, and then we got, um, we got sent to LA to... That were a bad job with that. Um... It was a really bad job. So it had been um, girlfriend and boyfriend, and they'd split up. Boyfriend was now... Tr- boyfriend had split up with girlfriend. Girlfriend's moved on. She's with somebody else. But boyfriend now wants to split these two up because he wants her back and realise the mistake he made. So he, say, so he hired us to fly to LA for two weeks to find out who she was with and what she was doing. Absolutely crackers. So... You know, that kind of stuff is going to destroy your faith in human nature. <laughs> so I, it destroyed it all for me. And then I had to go because that was a detriment to the business in the end. So from there, Big Brother, and mm. then when you came out of Big Brother, is that when you stopped the lady detective after that? Um, what was it I came time? out of Big Brother in the June, yeah. and then I think I sold the business in the following January. So yeah, so it worked long after. And what was your plan? My plan, I didn't have one. (laughs) I got made an offer, so I ran for the hills. Um, And that was the end of it. Um, And then I couldn't work in the industry for the next three years, which fine by me, didn't want to be in it anyway. And all I kept, I came out and I was like, I just want to work for a charity. Like, I just want to help people. I want to do good stuff again. Like, we started this because I cared. Where's your sort of like mental health at this time when you're doing that and just... No. Well, when I came out of Big Brother, I was supposed to go virtually straight back to work and I never really went back. (laughs) Um, You know, I I just, I was ruined, like highly suicidal. It was, every day was a battle to stay alive. You just can't trust anybody. No. I still don't really. You're living in that, aren't you? Going yeah. from detective into yeah, Big yeah. Brother, always questioning yeah. what does this person want. Yeah, and Big Brother didn't help that because I was already struggling with trust. And then when I came out and saw what people were saying about me behind my back when I'd seen what they were saying to my face, it confirmed my trust issues. So then it became worse. And I just didn't want to be here. Like, every single day was just floods of tears, 
couldn't cope, tried to battle through. And by nature, I'm quite a confident person. So it was quite easy to put on a front at times. Mm. But then the rest of the time, it really wasn't. And so I nearly didn't go to the final, actually, um, because I was just streaming with tears and couldn't get out of bed. And I was late to the final, and I think I had like 10 minutes to get ready. And it was only because like some of my housemates that I actually liked got me there. Um, but yeah, it took a solid... Well, then it kind of became very apparent that I need to not go back to work. Um, and so everybody kind of managed without me, albeit not wonderfully well. And then the final decision was I'm not going back. I'm not doing this. So I didn't... And were you looking for, your, for help for yourself at this yeah, time? Yeah, and, and this is what's now shaped my career of what I do now is that because I was looking for help, but I couldn't find anything. Um, and I don't know why it never really entered my head to pay for therapy. It just didn't kind of enter my thought process because, you know, I could have gone and got therapy, but also I didn't really believe in just counselling or CBT, which is the NHS route of stuff. Mm. I didn't know what specifically would have helped me, but I knew that just sitting in a room and talking to somebody won't. So I did reach out for help. There was none available whatsoever. In fact, actually, it was 13 months before they called me back and said, we've got a place in therapy for you if you want to. I was like, I'm all right, thanks. By this point, I'd have well and truly moved on with something else. And I'd got private therapy as well. Um, but there just didn't seem at that point in time when I really needed something, there wasn't anything that was suitable and so then I ended up indirectly um going to this charity for I was raising money for a few charities in this I gave myself a year out of let's go and find myself because when you get rid of your business it's part of your identity and it's like who am I <laughs> what am I doing yeah, and what am I gonna do yeah. now yeah. like who like I was lost and so I'd tried a few different things. I was having a great time. I'd worked for a few different charities. And then I was raising money at an event. And I went to this mental health charity. It's really local to me. It was a man who I, and I'm not going to name him, but it was a man who I knew through um, a friend who, he'd had quite a troubled past. He turned things around. Uh, he was now a therapist. And I went, he, he said, oh, we'd love to obviously have your money because we're a mental health charity. Uh, come and see me and we'll talk about it so I went I spent three hours with him and everything that he said about mental health and treatment for mental health was everything that I believe you resonated with it oh massively yeah our visions were completely the same it was just like oh my god this is amazing this is exactly what I would have wanted a year ago when I was in my worst place and so I said I've got three months left of this year of finding myself so I'll work for you for free and let's just see what we can do how much money did you give them oh I don't it, I think we raised a couple of grand it were it was nonsensical really but then I did work for him for free for three months and at the end of the three months he was he was just like we can't lose you so now we've got to employ you so they did um and so then I yeah became their operations director of a private mental health clinic and a charity and then there was a few other bits as well involved in the business, but that was my predominant focus. But yeah. Then what happened? <laughs> it was great for it was great for around about three years, I think. You talked about this before? No. 
No. Appreciate you doing it, mate, with me. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a big thing, so don't think it's not. Yeah. It, um, no, and actually, for, so I, it's a year ago yeah. since I left. Didn't really leave. Inverted commas, yeah. Yeah, so we've, there's been a story jazzed up about why I left, and it's not the truth. And so for the first six months after I left, and, I, and I'll start off by saying one of our, my, my still colleagues now, who still works for me now, girl called Annabelle, adorable, love her to bits. She worked with me at the same place. And she often tells anybody that will listen, we were in a cult. And in my personal opinion, we were. Now that I look back on it. So the first three years or so were great. Um, we all were super close. We were so close. So there was the man and wife who, man was our CEO. Wife also worked in the business. And it was my job to support him and to deliver operationally his visions and his strategies and obviously run this charity. And we were so close that I became godmother to their children. Um... We all had a wonderful time. But now I look back on that cult element that Annabelle talks about. And for example, like every Monday morning, we would all have to sit in a circle and tell each other how we felt, our emotions, our feelings, innermost secrets. <laughs> and if you didn't, that wasn't okay. Like, this is a mental health charity. This is a mental health charity, yeah. Not some sort of ayahuasca retreat. <laughs> Right. No, but they didn't believe in all of that stuff. Um, yeah, there was definitely a day where we were in the middle of a normal working day. And Look, we I mean, in these circles, like how dark you're going, you, you, you're totally revealing the, the black velvet bag that everybody buries deep. Yeah. To the point where Annabelle frequently cried because she was so terrified of having to speak about how she feels because that's not in her nature. But if we didn't talk... You were out of the circle. It was frowned upon. You were made to feel not one of us. And if you ever said or did anything that... It's very controlling, that, isn't it? <laughs> Manipulative. Well, well, most things were okay until COVID happened and then the control really kicked in. So the wife in particular had a lot of conspiracy theories about everything. For example, um, Christian Louboutin shoes with the red soles mm. are made of the blood of children um, from a circle in Hollywood of all these A-list celebrities who kill children to make these shoes. And if you didn't believe her, oh my God, she'd get a 20-minute lecture <laughs> on... <laughs> what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> now you look back and now you're like, what the hell? And COVID really changed a lot for us because she, they both didn't believe in COVID, but she specifically really didn't believe in COVID. So when I tried to put in any COVID measures, I would get berated to high heaven. This is a mental health charity. And, for example, she wouldn't allow hand sanitizer. She said if you wanted to sanitize anything, she'd made you a spray out of oil and oregano. And you had to use that. <laughs> to the point where... And the tears of a unicorn. Yeah, to the point... Well, well, then there was the stuff that was classified as Rocky Nose shit that she wanted. So something about that if you went near somebody who'd had a vaccination, 
that you would become infertile, but you had to buy this special stuff to make sure you kept your fertility. So she was then going on Amazon trying to find it and she literally called it, it's like rocking horse shit because it'll, it'll save your fertility. And obviously most of the workforce were like, well, what the bloody hell? But if you didn't believe it, you got in the shit and you were segregated and she'd tell people about what they wore and she'd tell people they had to dress in a certain way. Mm. And one time we were allowed to, we got told how much water we were allowed to boil in a kettle. And if we boiled more water in the kettle than we needed for our own cup of tea, we had to go to the electricity meter downstairs and watch it go around. What the fuck is going on? Hmm. Um, one time when I tried to move desks, because I kept on saying to the CEO, like, we have no COVID measures. We've got vulnerable people coming in and we'd already been reported and all the staff had been gathered together and told, if the council come, you've got to lie. You've got to say you socially distance. You've got to say that you don't pass in corridors. You've got to say that you've got staggered lunch breaks. You've got to say that we've got hand sanitizer. You've got to say this, you've got to say that. And it was all bullshit. And like, we had a huge office, but all of our desks were all clustered together. And... <laughs> One person actually started looking. One person was like, I am not doing this anymore. I am getting out of here. And she did. Because she said, I'm not lying to the council for her. Like, this is enough. So then um, there was one time where I'd said to the CEO, I was like, I can't cope with this. I'm having sleepless nights thinking we're going to get a 10 grand fine because the council's going to walk in and be like, why the hell are you not distancing these desks? This is ridiculous. But why wouldn't you just do that anyway, just out of respect for everybody else? Oh, because they didn't believe in it. No, they really didn't believe in it. And if you dared to That's say it, we health. literally got called sheep if we said anything about it. We f and I'll go on to something else in a second. But I'd, and so he said to me, he went, listen, save me 10 grand, get out there, do whatever you've got to do. And so I went, okay, are you sure? And he went, yes. So I went out the next morning. I went in early to do it before she got there with the girl that was helping me because I was terrified of what she was going to do. She came in after we'd moved one desk and screamed the place down at me. And that there was staff around. And she went 20 minutes, and she literally, she's quite strong. She picked up a filing cabinet, ran across the room, threw it down. I was like, get all these desks back, screaming her head off. To the point where I went into a meeting afterwards, straight after, because she ordered me to put them back, and we did. I went into a meeting straight afterwards with the CEO, and I was with Annabelle and we were in a marketing meeting. So you've got to be excited or passionate about the ideas that you've got and what you're going to do. And I couldn't, I couldn't even speak. And all of a sudden I just started sobbing and he's sat there, he's going, what's going on? And Annabelle don't say boots were a goose. And she went, I've got something to say. And I'm still just crying with tears. And he said, she said, um, what just happened out there is not okay. She went, she's just been blasted. And then, I start scratching away at my face and I came up in this massive rash, literally all around here, huge physical rash that was like lumpy and bumpy. I'm like, Annabelle, what's happening to my face? And she's going, oh my God, like, are you okay? And I'm just hysterical. And that lasted for seven days. It was stress. And then <laughs> another thing that I really don't like about what happened is we had one staff member who'd lost her mum. 
and she really believed in COVID. And so this is probably about nine months into COVID. And she was really unhappy about being in work. She was unhappy about the fact that we weren't, that we had no measures. She was, she, and you could tell, like she was upset all the time about it and all the rest of it. And so the boss's wife gave me the order to fire her. I was like, what for? And she said, because she believes in COVID and they've had enough. Is this business still going? No. Mm, no. I'll get to that. Um, and so I said, well, we can't fire a for COVID <laughs> for believing in it. I said, so what do you want me to do about that? And she went, so then she drags in CEO and she told us both to fire her on performance. So then we started putting her through performance measures and we took her into a meeting and she was really upset still about her mum. She went over it and her mum had died about nine months before. And the, the wife said, like, she's bringing down the atmosphere. She should be over it by now. Get rid of her. So we did. And it was horrible. And now I feel a lot of guilt for not standing up for that. Sounds like worse than Big Brother. Yeah, just a bit. It was a cult. <laughs> so, and then that was all going on the whole time. And then, so then after about three years, when it got really bad for me was when the CEO started making sexual advances towards me. What do you mean? So he was away training and we were really close. We were like, we were best friends. I, you know, we always joke. You joked. thought you were best friends yeah. at the time. Yeah, we were at the time. We really were. We were so, we were so close. Some of the stuff that... <laughs> Well, it gets weirder. <laughs> Does it? Mm. He, he, so he, we were always in contact. We were always talking about ideas and projects and stuff that were coming up. And we always used to joke that if I get married again, he will be the person to give me away instead of my dad. Um, because my dad's done it twice. Not, not been very successful, so he will be doing it. We were that close. And like I said, godmother to his kids. Wife worked with us. And he was away training and all of a sudden I get this message from him that's like, um, how are you today? It's late at night. I was like, yeah, fine. Obviously, we're missing you. Like, how is it? And he said, um, really good. But he said, I'm, I'm really gutted that the Wi-Fi has blocked porn sites. And I was just like, what? Is that the first time he's ever said anything like yeah. inappropriate? Yeah. And by this point, it's probably been nearly three years, maybe two and a half. I never, ever, even remotely got a bit of an inclination. I saw him as like a father figure. And I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I screenshot it and I sent it to the guy I was seeing at the time. And I was like, what the hell do I say to this? And he's like, ooh, make it into a joke. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, oh, like, haha. Um, make it into a joke? Yeah, I, I was like, oh. like, listen, don't ever send well, me the license, dickhead. So then it kind of, he, he kept on going on. He's like, and then he said, like, have you got any filth for me? I was like, no. I was like. What does he mean? What does he mean by that? <laughs> he means like. Send he pictures wanted, of yourself. Yeah, because he said, the thoughts I have about you at times are not good. And I was like, ha, funny, but no, sorry. Um, that's. It's just like, fucking just like, progressed really quickly on it. it. And it was completely out of the blue. And I, and so all I felt was panic. Like, shit. What do I do? I don't want to upset him. I don't want to hurt him. But equally, oh my God, what is this? 
And so, um, and he said that he wanted to see me with somebody else. And I was like, what and you, so I what? said, well, I just did, I was like, okay, enough. So I said, listen, I love your wife too much to let this continue. And he went, yep, sure, sorry, got it. So then um, the next day, I was just panicked, couldn't sleep that night because I was like, what is he going to do because I've rejected him? Like, is he going to make my life hell? Is he going to fire me? Is he going to be upset? Is he going to be weird with me? Like, what the, What have I done? Fucking hell, Why? Dude. Why does he think so that this is okay? So you're kind of making it your... You th- in your head, you're making it... It's kind of your fault. Well, yeah, because... Well, yeah, because I was just like, oh, my God, I must have done something to make him think that this is okay. So I went to our... Um, the woman who we fired for the COVID stuff and cause she's a therapist and I, um, and I thought she'll be bound by confidentiality if I tell her. And I thought I can't tell anybody else because everybody knows him. And obviously we can't have this like I'm his employee. And I showed her because I was just so frightened of what was going to happen to me. And so she read it. She's like, this is not okay. She went, you've done nothing wrong. Don't worry. And I was literally just like, I can feel the panic in me now with it. Yeah. Because I was just like, what if he gets a guilty conscience and tells his wife and his wife then blames me and then I lose my job and I lose my grandkids, uh, grandkids, not that old, <laughs> lose my godkids. And like, what's going to happen to me? And I'm she's... I'm so awful about Rebecca. You're thinking that, dude. But this is the problem with sexual harassment because, and this is why people, even now I feel embarrassed about it because I still think, what have I done? And so she calmed me down to an extent and then I tried to avoid him (laughs) for about a week, which is pretty hard when he's your boss. Um, But I, I tried, I went, we had an event the next day and I went to the event purposely late so I could just swan in at the last minute so I could just sit down and that'd be it. And I didn't have to actually have a conversation with him about any of this. And so we kind of, we didn't ever speak about it again. But then when we'd be in like the kitchen and I'd be making a brew, he'd come in and put his arms around me and I'd like do this. And he'd ring me up and he'd just start having conversations about the people that I was seeing and asking me about my sex life. I would be like, <laughs> okay. And then he'd send me, um, pictures like he sent me a picture of a naked woman that had like numbers layered over the top of it but you couldn't see what was behind this picture I know it was naked woman because um you had to pick a number and it was like where the woman's nipples were on this picture when you picked a number and and so then when he sent me the next one and she's fully naked I'm like oh my god like are we doing this again so I had that for nine months what are you doing when, you, when he's sending you then, what are you doing? Are you ignoring him? Are you trying to appease him? I what, couldn't ignore him. I couldn't ignore him because we were... I was trying to appease him to make it into... We were really laughy, jokey, yeah. childlike all the time. And so I tried to just be like, brush it off yeah. and switch the conversation yeah. was my tactic. And then if he, like, when he like touched me in the office and stuff like that, I literally would just freeze, which he pointed out to me. 
later on about a year after all of this he's like you know you literally would just you used to freeze when i came near you I'm, well yeah because it was like oh is, is he one of these guys that always has control of everything gets everything that he wants like and obviously he's not getting what he wants and it just it just keep escalating and escalating more frequent yeah to the point where i was in the office late one night it's only like half past five but it was middle of winter so it was dark and i'd been packing up um, a studio of ours who were upstairs and he comes up and we were the last two people left in the building. Oh, I don't like this story already. Won. And then, so he sits down. I'm like, yeah, right. And he's going, yeah, yeah. He's like, I just want to have a chat with you. I was like, okay, what about? And, um, and so he starts just talking about like work stuff and it was fine. I'm like, okay. And then he goes on to, I said to him, I went, how's your house move going? because they were moving house at the time. And he went, oh yeah, he said, fine, but um, my parents have offered to give us some more money towards the house, but her parents have um, said no. I was like, oh shit, I'm sorry, like, why? And he said, well, because her mum thinks that we're gonna have an affair. I went, who's we? He went, me and you. I went, Pfft. I was like, no. I went, what the hell? He's like, yeah, yeah, he said, uh, it's the way we look at each other, it's the way that we talk to each other. She don't like it. She thinks we're going to run off together. And I was like... Yeah, this bloke. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And I said, well, what does and his He's wife... He's basically just looking for you to say something. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. And I was like, well, what does she think about that? As in his wife. I said, because well, what the hell? Like, is she all right? Has she, she ever said there? anything to you? By that point, no. Oh, no, not by that point. She did a little bit later on. Um... And he said, well, she just doesn't believe it's fine. I was like, thank God for that. I was like, oh my God, like what if she did? And he went, yeah, yeah, don't worry. So this was three days after I'd split up with somebody who I'd been in a serious relationship and then dating for five years. And so this was the first time that I'd known him since I was single. And this is three days later. And it was a it was a good relationship in a lot of senses, but it was a bad one. So it was it was a bad breakup for me. Um, it was one of the reasons why I ran away to Big Brother. <laughs> After our first breakup, I was like, let me go in the house. Um, and so he knew how much I'd tried to get out of that relationship and sever ties with this person. And I'd finally done it. So it was a major thing in my life. Now, it feels like now that he preyed on the fact that he knew that I was weak at that point in time. So this was three days. And so I made my excuses, left the building, and then a message comes through on my phone again saying, um, you fancy me? And I was like, oh, here we go again. And Question like, mark, you fancy me? No, no, it was a statement. There was no question. He was just making a statement saying that I fancied him. I was like... Narcissists think much, pal. I was like, oh my God, what do I do with this? And I just thought, and I put it down. I was like, he keeps doing this. It's been nine months now. We keep going back to this place. It keeps feeling like, is it ever going to stop unless I let him just get it out? And so I said, right, okay. Obviously, we're back in this place. So let's address it. Rather than dancing around the fight, rather than all of these conversations that are like halfway there like what's going on for you because just get it out of the way 
And he, and then he started with the, the big guns. So he was like, ever since I've known you, it's been a really big problem for me. I've just tried to hide it. At times I can't hide it. At times I have to do something about it. He said, and obviously now feels like another one of those times. I went, right, so that's what went on that first time. He's like, yeah, I couldn't hide it anymore. I had to, I had to bring it up to you to see if you felt the same. And I was like, well, I don't. And he said, but there is something between us. I went, I know there's something between us. We get on like, our friendship is electric. Like, it's amazing. But I don't feel like that for you. And he said, I just keep feeling like if I'd have met you before my wife, my life would have been so much better now. And I was like, that's a big statement. How old is he? How old was he at that time? Um, 30, late 30s. Um, and he's like, you know, I just keep wishing I'd met you before her. And I've taken you to therapy <laughs> various times. I've had to have therapy about how I feel about you. I was like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you joking? He's like, no. He's joking? No. It's deadly serious. And I said, right. I said, what's your therapist said? And he went, therapist has said it's okay because I've not acted upon it. I'm like, you prick, you whap. And, um, and he said, you know, it's something I need to explore. I have to, because this could be the best thing in my life. And I was like, right, okay, I'm going to let you explore it, but I'm telling you now, I am not on the same page. I am chapters and verses away. Would you be like, explore away. it? What? I've, I, you know, talk about it. Tell me how you feel. Tell me, tell me what it is. Like, let's get it out of the way, deal with it and move on. Let's, like, this is not going to be a thing. And he's like, well, it might be if I tell you about like how I feel and why I feel like this and why I think it'd be great. I just want to fuck up and move on. <laughs> yeah, but he's my boss. Yeah. He's my boss in my dream job, in a job that I love, the people who I love. I, I loved my colleagues. I absolutely loved my work. I love my godchildren so much. I also had a lot of love for his wife. Like... You can't just say, and that's the problem with sexual harassment in work. I can't put myself in the situation, but like, do you know what I mean? Nobody can, nobody can do that. I, I try to empathise with it, but it, it, yeah. it's so hard. I can't. It felt like my whole life was on the line. Everything that I knew, because right. they were my best friends. They like, I had my my eldest goddaughter. I had her every week. Like, she felt like one of my own children, and if I upset him too much because I've seen so I saw every time somebody left or every time he didn't like somebody I saw in the business how he severed them not only did he sever them but he went out of his way to destroy them it's like very kind of psychopathic this kind of nature we have got people whose lives and careers have been destroyed because he took a dislike and then fired them and so I knew that if I upset him too much that'd be the end of me too and, it, and look what's happened. Yeah. I was right. So... We'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. I, I don't really know that bit, so... So... So then... I allowed him to talk to me about it. And... I think probably if I have... There's a few regrets in all of this that I have. I'm letting him explore it with you and talk it all over you. Yeah. 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 And so we very much talked about it for the weekend... 
And then um, we went to work on Monday. Pretty sure we went to work on Monday. And like everything was, it, like it wasn't mentioned. It was the weirdest thing. It wasn't mentioned, but yet he'd been graphic as hell literally telling me everything he wanted to do to me and had thought about me for the last it three was days. That type of exploring. Yeah. Well that's what he that's where he went to, yeah. Yeah. And so then on the Monday it was all like it never happened. And it was the weirdest thing and I'm like, what is actually going on here? This doesn't make sense. So on the Tuesday I went into his office and I went, what is going on? And he, and he said that this was his fantasy, that I'd go into his office and say that. I was like, okay. Is he, do you think he's looking for this on porn, some sort of like secretary, <laughs> sort of like role model thing, thinking it's you? I'm pretty sure it's me, possibly. <laughs> because. Oh, no. <laughs> so we talked about it for about half an hour. His desk was here, sofa was here, oh. and I was leant back, stood up against the sofa. And he kind of came from behind his desk, and I thought he was going for the door, but he didn't. He literally came up to me and grabbed hold of me, went underneath my clothes, and I literally, my hands were froze to the sofa behind me. I was like, whoa. What the hell? And then I, I somehow got away. I ended up on like towards one of the walls I'm like what and he went again until he did what he had to do and then I literally just walked straight out didn't say a word and left I went and sat at my desk I was like what the fuck has just happened I was just even now I still feel it of like what the fuck is going on and I just remember thinking like there's no way back now there is no way fucking back. Like, that's it. Game over. Panic. Absolute panic. What did you, what did you do? <laughs> the rest of that day is a blur. I literally just stayed frozen to my desk. And like... <laughs> I can't even tell you what actually happened after that. Because I was just gone. And then he went bigger and harder on how this is what he wants for the rest of his life. I'm the answer to all of his prayers. And then he was like, shall we have um, like therapy? Because obviously he's a therapist. And so and obviously I talked to him a lot about my own personal issues from self-harm to trauma to stuff like that when he he knows all your deepest darkest secrets mm. and to the Everything. point to the point where he was like let's go into my therapy room and let's have a session to try and deal with all of your stuff and your trust issues because i said i can't trust you because I, I don't trust anyone but i can't trust you because of this and so he's like right well let's work on it let's work on you and so we we would go into his therapy room have you told anybody what what went on at that time you just, no, uh, no, no, no. At, that at the time, time hell just... no, hell no. Couldn't tell anyone. Could not tell anyone because everybody in my life knew him. 
and I was still trying to protect him because I just kept on thinking I just need to get him through this and over it and then we hopefully life can go back to normal and then we'll all be fine and I won't lose everything that I know and I won't lose my job and like because I was so caught up in this cult (laughs) that life outside of it felt too scary felt so scary it's a fucking film this mate (laughs) and so we would have weekly sessions if not twice a weekly sometimes where we would go into like my trauma literally self-harm and like the stuff the uh, more stuff that i've never told anyone until very recently because i trusted him that much and i thought that he got me into a way of thinking that maybe he's right. Maybe we get on so well and this relationship is so good because this is somebody who I am supposed to be with potentially. Oh, come on, Rebecca. So I just need to deal with me and my issues and then I won't, and then it'll be fine. The battle manipulated that much that you think that that's what needs to be done, that that was acceptable. And so then frequently, I, there was, in the space of four to five months, there was between 15 and 30 sexual incidents that happened. And there was only ever one that I did anything. I would literally be on the phone in his wife's office to a client and he would just come in and do stuff. I'd be like, I'm on the fucking phone. What are you doing? And he'd just carry on. That's what it was like. And it became quite apparent that I wasn't going to get over all of my issues. So I was hard work. I was really hard work with him. I wasn't the dream that he thought I was. Like, I wasn't going to just run off into the sunset with him and it was all going to be wonderful and roses. That wasn't going to happen. Because... It's not really that he ever wanted, though, did he? He just wanted to control you. But he was giving you that bit. I'm so... I am so... Still... Unsure of what reality is that I don't know anything anymore. I don't don't know. I have no sense of reality whatsoever. I was... Obviously now we've kind of come out of it and I've started going through therapy again. I didn't trust the therapist. Didn't didn't trust the therapist and I work in mental health. It's my job to get people into therapy and I don't trust therapists and I couldn't get help for myself after all of this, which it gets worse before it gets better. But my trust in people and everything and in life was gone because he was doing everything he was doing. He was saying everything that he was saying to me and then I would see him with his wife literally in front of me and I'd be like, we're living a lie. We are living the biggest lie that I've ever known anybody to ever live. And I have to literally watch it unfold. And like, so my trust issues were off the scale and through the roof. I was absolutely crazy. I began self-harming again, which he knew. My way of dealing with problems is to overdose on medication. And so that's what I started doing. And he knew. And he still carried on. But like I say, I wasn't this dream of a situation. I was hard work. And so it didn't fit with what he wanted. And I kept on saying to him, like, this is, we've got to stop. This can't keep happening. And so I did end it completely. I said, like, this is done. 
I'm not remotely interested. And I was really quite nasty and quite harsh to get my point across. So I ended it. Um, Six weeks later, he rang me up and said, because of how he felt about me, he couldn't work with me anymore. I was like, right, okay, well, that's not legal. (laughs) And he said, well, I'll give you a division of the business that we co-founded together to leave. I went, no. I said, no chance. I went, I've told you for years, I never want to own a business ever again. I don't want to do this. I went, I'm happy in employment and I'm not doing it. He went, no, you are. He said, it's not a choice. You're gone. I was like, okay, if you want to do that, I'll register the claim with ACAST for sexual harassment because you've abused your position and now I'm being forced to leave because of the way that you feel about me. Where's that strength bit come from where you did that in that moment? My kids. I'm a single mother of two kids and do you know what? Enough is enough now. Because I'd been, up until that point, I was traumatic most of the time. And like, so one of our work colleagues, I did have to tell her because she'd seen me be absolutely traumatic in work and she's like, what's going on? And so I told her. Um, It was the one that was leaving. So I also felt safe to tell her because she was leaving. Um, And I also felt bad for not telling her anyway. Um, But I had to because then it became, he completely switched. He was completely cold, completely calculated. It became really apparent. I'm going to have to fight for my life now. Otherwise, I've got two kids at home that I can't support. So I was like, right, if that's what you want to do. So then I don't think I spoke to him after that. I didn't speak to him after that. Um, A few days later, I got a solicitor's letter saying, we're dividing up the business for you. We're going to give you this. This is how it's going to work. And I was like, nope. Nope. (laughs) I'm not. They expected me to take on the liability of about 30,000 people's mental health with no money for it. I said, no. If you are wanting me to do that, then you're going to have to pay me, God, it was thousands to do it. And I'll do it because the clients have already paid you. You've got the money. You're just going to have to give it to me. Three days later, after I sent that letter saying no, and I'm not going to go as easy as you want me to go, a front page uh, story came out in the national press about me and Michael Owen. <laughs> so, and it basically just went into how um, in that six week period where I'd ended it before that conversation happened with him where he told me I was leaving, I'd been in communication with Michael Owen. He'd wanted to meet me. and <laughs> 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 you know, is there anything else you want to throw at me? You know. Right, okay, go on. Mike Lowen gets used as a cover-up for all of this. Right. <laughs> Listen, it's not lost on me, I batshit this all this. <laughs> right, so go on. Go so on. I turned Michael Owen down quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he told me that his marriage was over, it was all a big facade, and he wasn't really married anymore, so, like, we had communications yeah. that, like... And so... The boss knew about this and he weren't happy about it because he was then feeling rejected for Michael Owen. <laughs> he also knew, you know, and I work in media, so my friends are journalists 
I didn't hide the Michael Owen thing. I hid the boss thing. I didn't hide the Michael Owen thing. And so like some of my friends are journalists and some of my friends were like, listen, we will pay you like 40 grand to sell this story to the sun. And so the boss knew that and he made me turn it down. I was tempted. <laughs> I was tempted at the time um, because I'd done nothing. All I'd done was turn him down. I was like, no, like he didn't meet my height requirements. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like it was a no from me. Um, but you know, the conversations we've had, if he was in the marriage that he said he wasn't in, were inappropriate. And so the son wanted to uncover the story. They offered me a shitload of money for it. And I said, no, turned it down. Um, and so then obviously boss tells me he wants to leave, uh, me to leave. Then we divide up the business. I say, no, I'm not going that easily. Three days later, after I say no, this article comes out front page of the goddamn Sunday Mirror about me and Michael Owen. And it didn't say anything about my work. It called me a trainee solicitor. It didn't link me to the business. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, crazy. It's mad. It's mental. Mental. So did they go mental. Big Brother star, lady detective, text. What did it say? Uh, I don't remember. I try and block it from memory now. You can't. We've got to talk about it. Oh. You can't come on a podcast and not talk about Hang it. Hang on. Let me get the. Let me get Angus dear. Let me get. I mean, you only have to do a bit of a Google, and it's still all bloody there. I did bits, but I just I kind of skipped over that. I just thought, but, oh yeah, it's just uh, gonna what's it? But I can't believe I'm having to Google myself. Rebecca J. Michael, and here we go. Oh right. Mm. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah, that ran. Okay. Uh, married England legend Michael Owen begged reality TV star for nude pictures. That was the headline. Reality TV star. She's not wrong. She's not wrong. No, it's not wrong because. But it's not a good time for that to come out when you're doing this bit as well. It's just really inconvenient, isn't it? I know. That's trying to get my shit together. That's what we all said. For like, bloody hell! It's been like a couple <laughs> of weeks later. So go on, go on. So that comes out. Obviously, shit went mad that Sunday. It was Father's Day. By the way, <laughs> the boss took it personally that he came out on Father's Day, this article that says nothing about my workplace, nothing about my actual job title. They took it personally to think that it was hurting them. I was like, sorry, what? I am literally getting thousands upon thousands of tweets. It was a front page article for the Mirror, but it went everywhere even like spanish goddamn newspapers were reporting on it it was ridiculous it was absolute lunacy the extent that this went to it just blew up so you got that plus battling on top of it obviously you must be getting a lot of hate i didn't actually get that much hate from honest did you not? no no i was actually very surprised um no it was there were a lot of said that, but you know what people are like, they'll say, well, what is she, done? you know what I mean? That, that's what I thought would have happened. Not really, no. There were a couple, there were a couple of yeah. shitty comments. My nature, when, because I have been horrifically trolled, like I've trended on Twitter for crying out loud with being trolled. <laughs> that was during the Big Brother times. Um, so I'm used to trolls. Yeah. That was okay. There were a couple of comments and my tactic with negative comments is to excuse me, bat them off, 
make a joke out of it. Don't let it look like they've got to you. So I cuffed with them slightly did, but whatever. Like, in the grand scheme of things, I came off all right. However, um, so then that was the Sunday. Monday morning, I get a letter. You're suspended. Pending gross misconduct investigation because of the article. We are also putting out a public statement dissociating ourselves from you and chastising you for all your behaviour. Convenient for him, isn't it? I was like... I remember being sat in Starbucks with my really good friend, Leroy, and, like, he, bless him. <laughs> we, were, we were sat there, and I was literally... My world ended receiving that email because the injustice of... I'm not be I'm not leaving this business because of that article. I am leaving this business because of what's happened between me and him. And he's trying to use Michael Owen to cover it all up yeah. and throw me under the bus at the same time. What? Like world ended. Literally ended. And making it so public. Yeah. It felt like why do you have to do this? You have not been brought into disrepute whatsoever. I've actually done nothing wrong. I've not even met him. Like, I've literally said no to him, and now you're making it like I'm enemy number one, the worst person in the world, when actually what's been going on and everything else that's happened to us is 25,000 times more horrific. So I rang up the solicitor, and I said, if you're putting out this public statement about me that dissociates yourself from me, says how bad I am, say how you basically you don't agree with me, you're thinking about the families and all the destruction that I've caused... I'm going to put out a statement about you lot and about what's actually happened to me whilst I've been under your roof. And so the solicitor went, what do you mean? <laughs> and I went, you don't know? And she went, no. I was like, okay, sit down. Ooh, let's have a conversation. She went, okay, I'm going to have to ring my client. So she went and rang his wife and told her everything. And the wife said... Screw her, statement's going out. We don't care. So they put the statement out. And then I tried to take my life. World had ended. It was like... It was... I'd lost everything. It was too much in one go for one person to handle whatsoever. And I didn't know how to come back. And I didn't want to come back. <laughs> I didn't want to do this. I did not want to try and come back from whatever was happening to me. They also said that they'd retracted the offer of the business. And that basically, um, they were going to revise the offer. Well, the offer was already shit, so God knows what your revision would be. And, you know, in that moment, I'd lost my godchildren was one of the biggest parts. Two of the closest people to me had lost my job. It was very clear we were not coming back from any of this. And what am I going to do? Like, it's all right people to say that we've well, got kids. How could you not do it for them? But... It was more of a detriment to stay and be their mother than for them to carry on without me. 
so yeah I didn't want to be here I mean that didn't work because <laughs> I'm here but yeah I did everything I could to not survive but I did I don't really remember what happened after that <laughs> what did you do did you t- what, how, did, how, how did you try to take your life a massive overdose. Did you? So I was out of it. Apparently, I'm told <laughs> that um, I'm told that um, that girl that had left and who had told about everything. I'm told that she spent three hours on the phone to me, <laughs> um, and I'm told that one of the charity trustees spent about two hours on the phone to me. <laughs> I don't have a clue. <laughs> I literally don't remember a thing. Um, I'm told that my dad came round. It's a very, very vague recollection of my dad being in front of me, but I don't really remember anything else. Um, and it probably wasn't until maybe about two days later that I start to get memories about it all again. Oh, yeah, that was it. Um, what happened to cause... So... Obviously, I came round from it all. And I don't remember the point in time until my mum and dad had... So my union obviously was involved. My mum and dad had made representations to my union to say they're destroying our daughter. Like, what the hell? This is a mental health charity. We thought that she was safe with them. She's not. She isn't. They're hanging her out to dry... By the way, with that public statement that they put out about me, there was an absolute witch hunt went on. So people were really nasty about me on that. People who had come across me, who didn't actually know me at all, were like, oh, yeah, we know her. How terrible this is for you to be associated with such an awful person. And you poor family. You're such a good family. You're such good people. And so they then deleted comments, apparently, that were positive about me. And they let the people that were saying nasty stuff continue. They even started a a WhatsApp group with a couple of our employees who were standing up for me saying, you don't know the truth. Don't be saying this stuff about her. They started a WhatsApp group to tell them, keep yourselves out of it, delete your comments. They ordered people to stop helping me. That's how much of a witch hunt went on. And so then this email went via my union and to them saying like you're a mental health charity what are you doing and uh, the wife replied to my mum and dad she sent an email to my mum and dad saying uh, I trusted your daughter she's made a move on my husband she's done this she's done that how dare she she turned everything around made it all about me he obviously hadn't told her the truth so I sent screenshots um, of the times when I'd rejected him weren't me I didn't start all this and that's the first recollection I think that was like two or three days later something like that then I got COVID <laughs> I literally messed the girl that the girl that had helped me um who, who I worked with I literally rang her up I'm like I've just tested positive for COVID she laughed her head off she's like of course you have <laughs> of course what else can go wrong? <laughs> I ended up in hospital with COVID and we thought it was hilarious because everything just went to shit. It was like three weeks 
of hell. So they did revise their offer of the business and they came back and they said, um, basically I had to rebrand. They did pay me a figure. It was no, nowhere near what they should have paid me. With the gagging order? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and also I had to retract my sexual harassment claim with ACAS. I had to retract my complaints to the trustees so they weren't under a duty to do anything about what had happened. Um, and yeah, I was gagged. And this is how RJ8 was born. Yeah. So then when I came out of hospital from COVID, <laughs> I had to rebrand the whole business in about two weeks. <laughs> Whilst I was doing that, everybody else was being let go. So Annabelle uh, was dragged into the office and got told, you either choose, it's us or Rebecca. She didn't choose. So they made her redundant. And they got rid of her. So she's now with me. <laughs> Bless her. Um, they affected a lot of lives because they didn't want anyone to support me. The wife didn't know the full extent of everything. I, at that point in time, and for six months afterwards, up until January of this year, I couldn't say a bad word about him. I couldn't, I was just so controlled still. So controlled. I, 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 I what's made you come and talk to me then about it? What, what, what's the reason that now's the time to talk? What, what has been that? Great picture, by the way. Thanks, mate. <laughs> um, well, they didn't stop trying to destroy me. They weren't content with everything that happened. They wanted to just talk. They wanted me right. gone. One of our other colleagues said he genuinely believes that they are trying to push me to a point of trying to take my life again because then I'll be gone and then I won't say anything. I wasn't saying anything. In the six months, I really wasn't saying anything because I couldn't couldn't speak about it, couldn't talk about it. I just got on with my life. Um, but they carried on. So... Um, they were so obviously we had all this legal agreement ridiculously lengthy contracts and stuff there was a million and one different clauses to the contract I'd taken over clients I'd taken over part of the business so there were still problems especially when we were transferring over clients clients were pissed off and so I'd email the solicitor about well you know we've got this issue that issue what can we do about this and what can we do about that and so they were copied into the emails with the solicitor because beyond the business and the clients were like what the hell why are these two not talking to each other when we only know them to be like singing on the same hymn sheet and you can't just pass us off and not say anything to us so because they were copied into emails with the solicitor they went to the police and said well we feel harassed so the police come and they said they feel harassed because they're copied into emails which as a trainee solicitor if I end up with a caution for harassment I would be disbarred before I even really start so that was a calculated move to try and get something on my record so that I didn't have a legal career anymore. So when the police said no, that she's not harassing you, we'll tell her, you know, don't copy her into e don't copy them into emails, like, but she's not harassing you. So they told me that and I was like, fine, like I don't want to have anything to do with them anyway. And then when the police didn't do anything about it, they then just started making stuff up. So then they'd ring the police and say, she's turning up at our house. 
or what was the other one? I think it was some, maybe I tried to ring him or something. I don't know. Um, and so then the police officer rang me and he said, oh, they're saying that you're turning up at the house. By this point, I'm then hysterical because they're just making shit up now. How far are they going to go with this to try and get my career destroyed? And the police said, don't worry, we're not doing anything about it. Like, we know that you haven't done anything. Like, but we, you know, we've got to say something. Then there was another incident. The police didn't do anything about that either. I hadn't had anything to do with them. I was nowhere near. I didn't do anything. I just didn't want anything to do with them. Then, around, I think it was the September or the October, I get a letter from the Solicitor's Regulation Authority saying that, um, <laughs> saying that basically I wasn't a trainee solicitor and I was posing as a solicitor and I'd been reported from an anonymous report the only problem is, is that the investigator at the Solicitor's Regulation Authority included a screenshot from the complaint that had come in that said that it was from her, they his wife. Destroyer. Yeah. So, anyway, Solicitor's Regulation Authority took three weeks to clear me, but they cleared me and said, you know, you've done absolutely nothing wrong. Carry on with your career. Very sorry. Blah, blah, blah. But obviously, three weeks of an investigation with Solicitor's Regulation Authority is traumatic at the best. We've got all this police shit. And then, um, because none of it stuck, between Christmas and New Year last year, I get a message out of the blue from his wife saying, um, we want to see you. Please will you meet us so that we can all find a new path for ourselves to go forward. Everybody said to me, don't go. Don't do it. Oh my God, you went, didn't you? Of course I went. Well, I've got nothing to hide. I've done nothing wrong. <laughs> I've got nothing to hide. So I went. I did go. And um, I sat down. He went into a five-minute apology. What about? Exactly. So he apologised for crossing the boundary. He apologised for starting it So he it admitted all. it with his wife there hmm. that he'd done this. Yeah. And Because I, I said to him, I went, you know that I'd have never have gone there. And he said, of course I know. He said, you fought it all the time. I was like, I know. This is weird, this. So She's there. Yeah. She knows. She doesn't know the full extent. But he was... Oh, this, so she said, why did you not tell me what was going on? I went, how the hell do I tell you? I went, how do I come to you and say, your husband's done this, this, and this? I went, because then what it, would it have done to him? What would have happened to my job? I said, you wouldn't have kept me there. I mean, you'd have got rid of me straight away. I, mean, I didn't want to lose my job. I loved my job. Like, and then, you know, there's the children. I went, you'd have got rid of me from their lives too. I said, so I just thought that I could deal with it and we'd solve it and it'd all be fine and it'd all go away and I'd sort his shit out and it'd be okay. And everybody would go back to like normal, nice life. And she went, well, I'm sorry that you... The only thing that she has apologised for in all of this is that I'm sorry you didn't feel that you could come to me and tell me. I was like, hmm, okay, right. So, Weird. however, I also said to her, I said, like, how would I have told you? I said, from my previous history of the job that I did, I know in these situations, people either want to know everything or they want to know absolutely nothing. I went, and on the chance that you wanted to know everything, I didn't know how I could tell you. I said, because how the hell do I actually tell you all of this? As somebody who... 
I regarded as a friend and I'm like, I have well and truly let you down. I should have like done something. I know that. I went and I beat myself up about it. I said, and you think that I've been like, you know, saying everything about you. I said, I haven't because actually I believe that it's all my fault and I should have stopped this. I should have done something. Don't know what I'd have done, but I should have done something. And um, so it went all right. We left and it was okay. But then it became very apparent that it wasn't okay. What do you mean now? Because <laughs> that's not just it. It's not the line and just move on. No. No. I couldn't get over the fact that I wasn't allowed to say everything that I'd heard about. I couldn't say everything in front of her because I couldn't tell her all the things that he'd said about me. Oh, you just didn't get it out in that? All right. How could I, how could I have... I didn't want to go into the intricacies of everything that had happened between me and him because I just thought, what's the point in hurting her more when she obviously will do anything to stay with him? Because I've been that person who has been left traumatised for the rest of my life with trust issues because of what other people had done. I'm not going to sit there and tell her everything that he has said and done about her and about how much of a lie their lives were and all the rest of it. I'm not going to sit there and tell her that because I don't want for the rest of her life for her to know and to have the issues. Well, now I think that, but at the time, I didn't think that. Let's finish off with RGA, because I need to finish off on something good because I really hate this bloke, whoever he is, okay? So... What's next for RG8? What's the what's the future for Rebecca Jade and RG8? I still continue to look after the mental health of be- people within businesses. That's what I founded with him. That's what I created, and that's going to still continue. Like it's a great product. It, it does wonders. Wonderful. That's stable and solid. Our future is in the children's charity, which is something I created in January after a bit of thought of an idea that had been going on for years. So we go into schools, we have children apply to form their own charity. So we've got kids, we've got a 15-year-old CEO, we've got an 11-year-old head of finance, (laughs) we've got a 14-year-old marketing manager and it is Bedlam. And uh, they all come together to create what they think will help mental health in young people. And so they come up with all sorts of random shit. Like, they will come up with anything. And it's my belief that it's no good letting adults sit in a room and say, this is going to help a kid and that's going to help a kid and this is how we fix mental illness in children. We need to ask children and they need to be the ones to fix mental health in kids. We've just got to help them do it. So, yeah, we, we go into schools, I become an accidental teacher. They come up with all sorts of random stuff and then I help them to do it. Um... That's our future. I love that. Man. It's cool. It's amazing. It's absolutely, honest to God, and poor Annabelle is still by my side. Shout out to Annabelle. I'm going to be shout out to Annabelle. Yeah. <laughs> this, mate. Shout her out to you. My little Annabelle. Bless her. She's amazing. Um, but we have to, when we've been in one of the schools with all the kids and it's crackers and they call us, we have to go outside, sit in the car and we're not allowed to talk to each other for 10 minutes because we need quiet time because it's that crazy but it's cool it's amazing it's like so rewarding they've got some amazing projects um all i'll say is one of them involves taking over a whole town literally a whole town and 120 pairs of shoes amazing because 120 people take their lives every week 
but it'll be epic. You'll have to come and film it. A million percent. Right, let's wrap up on that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, mate. Honestly, really appreciate it. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.